Welcome to Exceptional Education, the education podcast hosted by ANZ UK. Welcome to Exceptional Education, an education podcast run by ANZ UK, where we bring you important news, discuss education-related issues, as well as interviews with educators from across the globe. I'm lucky to be joined today by Fran, who's one of our educators in the London office and an early years foundation stage specialist. So welcome, Fran. Hi, hi. Welcome <laughs> to everybody. Yeah, thank, thanks yeah. for joining us today. Um, um, it's obviously, you know, you're taking up some of your time of your summer holidays as well. So, so thank you for, for, for taking the day to, to share your experience and, 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 your, and your career in the, in the early years. It'll be really valuable for our educators. Have you had a good break? I've had a very good break, yeah. Um, yeah. Lots of terrible weather camping. Um, yeah. Saw family in Liverpool and yeah, and caught up with um, a few jobs at home. So it's been yep. very productive. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, well, it's, it's hardly ha- hardly been a summer here in the UK. Um, I think it's um, <laughs> it's been raining raining more often than not. I think, which is uh, not a big selling point <laughs> to to try and encourage people to move over. But they we do get the sun every now and then. So and then it's a completely different city. Um, but um, yeah, so thank you for joining us today, Fran. We we wanted to do a podcast that was based around the early years um, foundation stage or the early years framework in the UK, just to give a bit of insight into what's involved and and you know just to share a bit of information about what it might be like like to work in in the early years sector. So you know somebody like yourself who's joining us with. 30 years experience um, as well as 10 years experience as an assistant head um, in the early years is um, somebody we'd certainly love to pick your brain and hear your thoughts about what it might be like to work in work with our students of that age. So thanks for joining us. Thanks. So we've got a now you're you're starting a role with us actually, aren't you? Um, next week you're you're doing a maternity cover or or part of a maternity cover at, at one of our schools in in Lewisham. I am. I'm starting um, a school in Lewisham. I'm really um, excited. I've uh, met the team via Zoom. Yeah. And uh, we've had a WhatsApp group. And I think that's the main thing about early years that um, for people who like to work in teams, um, it's really good because you you're not um, you've got quite a wide range of people normally um, trained as early years educators, maybe TAs and and teachers. Um, so it's good. Um, you're all working together. You sort of think about things together, um, think about planning, talk about the children. So you have much more time to sort of um, decide what you want the children to learn, where you want them to go. Um, it's really good uh, relationships with parents. Um, I think that's the thing that I really like about the early years because um the parents are so nervous sometimes. The children starting school, um, especially with COVID, they spent a lot more time at home. So it's just that thing about reassuring parents that the child's going to be safe and secure, and they're going to learn. And um, it's it's a really um, it's really rewarding seeing those relationships develop. And yeah. um, I don't think you see um, so much change in children in their um, learning. Um, from the early years they just you know can come in as babies and then leave you 
um, going into key stage one as um, you know young young children um, who've learned so much in such a short time. Um, yeah, they're just sponges at this age, and they're just so willing to learn. Yeah, obviously um, you might have some reluctant learners, but you know that's where you talk about the team, talk to the parents, see what they're interested in, and. Um, that's the lovely thing about the early years curriculum. You can follow children's individual um, interests um, from anything that they bring into you and then take it from there. Some children naturally will be leaders and talk about what they like doing and others will follow. But you just develop them, um, get their confidence going. And um, it's all about those positive relationships, really. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to doing them. Um, a home visit in the garden at um, the school in Lewisham. Okay. Um, so I'll be meeting some of the children who are brand new to the school. Yep. And then um, we can't go into homes at, um, this year, but they'll be coming to school and we'll be having a nice first chat in the garden. Um, Beautiful. So, yeah. Yep. COVID, COVID secure. Yeah, COVID. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I suppose well, um, we're exciting to hear how how you go in that role. Um, now you've you've joined us with thirty years experience, and I, and and you've joined us to sort of take a bit of a step back because you've had such a substantial career in the early years already. This is your you'll be completing a just a little block that'll take you up to the October half term, and then you get some much needed holiday, I think, which is which is part of the reason why you why you sort of joined up with ANZ UK. Um, but it'd be great to sort of get a bit of a snapshot about your sort of experience, because we do work with, um, you know, we do help support schools with early years teachers, but we also help with early years educators. So support staff who support in that framework, and we'll go through the different stages, I suppose, shortly. But did you want to just give us a quick snapshot of your career and where how you started off and, and sort of where you ended up as well? Yeah, um, I started off in Camberwell in um, a, um, a big um, infant school, three form entry. And um, I um, was in the nursery and then I realised how little I knew, even though I'd done my PGCE because I had two very experienced um, early years educators. I'm still in contact with both of them. Um, and I think that's the thing I, I looked at them, you know, they had um, over 10 years experience. So when I joined, I really learned a lot from, from them, just watching how they interacted with the children. Um, they knew a lot about the families as well. So I think it's that listening as well to uh, other people and not thinking, um, and not being, um, you know, if you're new to early years or you're new to a school, um, listen to the other staff. Um, they're not expecting you to come in and be, um, you know, know everything about the school. And it's that respect, really. Um, and then, obviously, you know um, where you want to go with your, your learning and the curriculum. And um, you bring maybe... A more theoretical um, understanding sometimes of the children, um, how they learn, um, what the next steps are, but you can't do it by yourself. So you need to do it with the with the the people you're working with, with the parents, and just really get getting to know everybody, um, especially the children. So the first few weeks, um, everybody's finding their feet, especially if it's a nursery. Um, or even if they're starting school, they might have come from outside and not been in your nursery. 
So it's just allowing that time really to get to know each other, feel secure and safe and um, have fun as well. Yeah. I always like, um, you know, got a few good books um, to hook the children in, a few props to um, get them engaged in their learning. I, I think I was saying to you about um, uh, Monster, my Monster book as well, um, <laughs> The Colour Monster, which is great because um, when they're new, they might be feeling so many uh, different emotions. And this monster has a different colour for each emotion. Um, and it's a great way to get children to realise how they might feel um, scared, happy, nervous. So, um, yeah, just just spending time um, getting to know people and, and, and trust as well. You know, um, children don't feel safe and secure. Um, they're not going to learn. Yeah. So making getting getting to know them, making them feel comfortable so they can so they can go off and go off and learn and then utilizing the, the team around you. Yeah. Say like some some advice for people going into to an early year setting who maybe don't have as much experience working with that sort of age group. Yeah. Um basically uh don't take over. <laughs> Everybody has uh you know, it's a classic holding the pencil holding this, doing this, doing that for them, even doing the zips up. Um, it's great. Some children will need more support than others, but it is really um, taking a stand back and seeing what the children can do. Um, because um, especially if they're coming in at three and four, um, they'll be fairly independent in things. So, yeah, adults have a thing, you know, Oh, uh, it's quicker, it's easier. And parents do it as well. They get them dressed in the mornings because yep. it's quicker and easier. So stand back, let the children show you what they can do. Yep. Um, and also, um, don't set up too... Um, sometimes when they're drawing, just ask them what they're drawing. I thought this little boy was just drawing lines on a page. And I, uh, I just thought, oh, he's drawing a lot of lines. And I said, oh, what's that? And he said, I've been looking... Um, this is, there's aeroplanes that go over here. It must be a flight path. And I'm drawing all the different flight paths and everything. And I was just like, so even though it looked <laughs> like lines on a page, if I hadn't have had that conversation with him, I wouldn't have known that he knew about flight paths. He knew about planes. Sorry, my phone. Yeah, no it. worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> typical um yeah so it's don't judge i think don't judge what a child knows let them show you um, yeah and then you're there to scaffold and support them or yeah um, i always remember a little boy he he was he wouldn't climb and i was thinking why wouldn't he climb wouldn't he climb and he just needed that helping hand onto the first step and then he was off so it's that role about um talking to the children modeling things for them um, letting them have a go um, and, and just enjoying being together and have fun learning. And the great thing about early years is you have inside and outside. So there's so many opportunities. Um, you might find some children don't want to go outside. You might find some children can't wait to get outside and you'll spend the time outside. So it's really important um, to have the areas of learning outside and inside so that children getting that experience of the uh, whole curriculum whether they're in or out um, and encourage children who 
don't like going outside, find out why, maybe put something they like outside one day to engage them. Um, but it's great having inside and outside. I love gardening. I think children really, um, nowadays you can learn so much from, from gardening. So a lot of my interests, um, I love reading books. So just just get, getting down to their level, getting stuck in. Um, I think the other thing is um, just ask as well, you know, what would you like me to do? Um, share your talents, don't be shy. Just go for it. You know, if you've got a skill, there's nothing more than the children like seeing you do something. I, I had an EYE who was a great samba dancer and she ended up doing a dance club, you know, so don't be shy. There's something that you might love doing. And I think if you can show your passion for something and um, you can really engage the children, you know, they will know that you really love this or you really like yeah. doing this. So I had a great EYE and she was just so creative with the uh, home corner and um, she'd actually get so excited. She just planned them for the year. <laughs> so let other people as well, even if you're a team leader, even if you're an assistant head, let people shine as well and, sh and, and, sh and show, show off their skills and show off their passion because yep. that will always feed back to the children. Yeah, definitely. Um, and let's let's have a quick chat about just the ages of the of the children that you're working with. So, um, so in the, in the early years, you will have three stages, I suppose. You'll have um, those like babies, so from birth up to the age of three, mm -hmm. and then um, three to four year olds will be in the nursery, and then yeah. reception will have four to five year olds. Yeah. Um, so that might differ slightly to in some of the countries that we we also we also work with. Um, but effectively, in these age brackets, you've you're, you've got three prime areas that you're trying to achieve over all of them, don't you? So that's yeah. the personal, social, and physical development um, across all all those age age groups, and it would it would vary. Well, you can I'll let you yeah. let you tell me how it might vary yeah. between the the different well, age age groups. I think the whole um, thing is about um, communication and language. Um, children, I, I know a great thing. If they can't say it, they're not going to write it. So if a child can't speak in sentences or talk about what they're doing, then they're not going to be able to uh, then go on to develop the skills of write, writing it down. So communication and language is uh, um, given a really high priority in the early years. Talk. Um, and um, especially with children who maybe come from um, different backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, being respectful of the um, home languages. So um, it's always good. I always get a world map out and we get the flags out and we look at the family's cultural heritage to give them that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. um, if you if you can't listen to others and um, you know, the personal and social, we, we're social beings, so developing those skills of getting on with people, taking turns, being able to wait for things, that's, young children find it really hard, like, I've got a great book, mine, it's mine, it's mine, <laughs> because they, you know, that is a really big thing, um, a big stage of their development when they can self-regulate, and yeah. um, that's in the document now, um, much more heavily. Um, and the physical, because um, again, a lot of people think writing, writing's quite a difficult um, skill. 
and you need your whole physical body. So, you know, the, that climbing and developing your whole muscle strength um, developing your fine motor skills. That's why you'll see so many baby, even at babies, posting games, um, things like Play-Doh, you know, strengthening. Um, I've actually got an x-ray of a child's hands at five. They're still not fully developed. So it is really all those things that you put out that provision is towards building towards future skills that they'll need, um, yeah. like the writing and um and the reading, so listening, you know, discriminating between sounds, that's where all the singing and the rhymes, and, yeah. and just giving children um, that imaginative thing as well, escaping from themselves. You know, they have some children have really tough lives, and to come in and just be able to express themselves, um, is it drawing or painting? So all those areas of learning, um, the prime ones, you're really developing them in naught to three and three and four so that when they get to reception, I hate the word being ready for school, but you don't want them to be, um, you want them to be um, ready, I say, for their next stage, for their next steps. And yep. it's looking at the individual child and um, planning, assessing, all the formative assessments, the observations, the next steps, so that they make the progress um, and a lot of children have to make um, accelerated progress. You have to might have to put in extra provision for them. And that's how getting to know the child through observ observation and then seeing what they can do and next steps and just yeah. keeping them on that learning journey, really. And sharing yeah. with the parents, you know, they do things that learning to swim, they might get a bronze medal. So you need a communication system. Um, with parents that you can share. I know at um, my school we had Class Dojo and you could share their learning immediately, um, share their learning journeys, meet with them regularly and uh, keep, that, keep that holistic view of a child and, and, and support the parents. A lot of parents go phonics. They, I never did phonics at school. That's how we teach reading. They don't, don't know about the letter sounds. And the classic is teaching them to write their name and using capital letters. <laughs> they come in and they write their name and they're really proud. So just explaining things like having parent workshops are great. Um, I know they do at the school in Lewisham um, because a lot of parents won't have had that in their education. That's the thing. The pace of education has changed. The way we do things changes. So just keeping parents up to date with um so they can support them at home with what they're doing at school. Yeah, I keep I keep coming back to that um, example you gave before about the the child who wanted to climb a tree and just wasn't quite able to to get that step step up. And it sort of it just reminds me of when when I was doing my teacher training. But that's how you sort of describe the development of of children's brains as, as as they're growing they're they're constantly developing and and mm -hmm. and you know have the capacity to learn more and when you're mm -hmm. giving them sort of activities to engage them you need you need mm -hmm. to give them an activity that's within their grasp which, which is within their reach mm -hmm. so like a step that is achievable mm -hmm. for them to to get up to that to yeah. that next level and if it's too too far then they're not yeah. going to be able yeah. to complete the task they're not going to be able to get, be engaged with it so it's finding that i guess that that step that's just far enough to challenge them but still helps them grow and I guess get it's up very that tree. Skilled. <laughs> I think a lot of people just think it's, I mean, you talk about um, 
you know, you're not babysitting, you are an educator. Um, that's why, um, I don't know whether you know, but the, they used to be called nursery nurses. Yeah. Um, and there was a bigger focus on like, um, you know, them having a sleep in the afternoon and their health and that, which is all really important. But I think that's why um, there was a big campaign that the early years educators now, so yeah. that they know they're specialists in, in that. And it's a highly skilled um, job um, to, to, to actually um, look at a child as a unique um, individual, to know what interests them, to know where the gaps are, um, but looking at the skills that maybe they can transfer over to other areas of learning. So it's, it's, it's not something, um, you won't be bored, <laughs> so you'll be busy, you know, you're not, it's about that shared learning, sustained, I think that there's um, sustained learning and that scaffolding and that modelling. Um, it's exhausting. Um, it's very, you get, that's one thing to be aware of. You get very close to the children um, and, you know, you do have to step back sometimes because it's, it's very demanding um, physically and emotionally um, the early years. Um, and um, but the rewards, you know, that's the nicest thing in staying in a setting when you see them go on. Like when I saw some children at year six, I went on school journey with them and the climbing thing. That's why it's come to mind. She did zip wire. She was climbing up this wall. This was a child who wouldn't go outside and everything. So, you know, it really is the building blocks for their future learning and their future um, confidence. Um, and the belief in themselves that they can do it, you know, I can do it. Um, got a lovely book, Not Yeti. So I can't do it, but um, I always say, I can't do it yet. So yeah. I always say that, Yeti. That's the growth mindset, states, isn't it? Carol yeah, Dweck. We've, in front of them. Yeah. We'd silly. You know, we're all, learn I learn every day. That's why I, I learn from the children. I learn from the other adults. Um, and that's why it is so engaging. You're not, no day if anybody is thinking no day is the same yeah um, and it's very very rewarding but it is you know you have to put in what you what you get back um and it's it's hard work yeah um, i know when when we did swaps in school we all did a swap for a day so we knew what it was like well i was cruising in year four because they could i could just tell them when they got on with it the year four teacher came back and she was like, oh, how did you do it? How did you do it? So many moving parts of the puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, knowing that each stage is important, but the early years, the outcomes for children can be set by the time they're seven. So it is really important. And their vocabulary development is a big indicator of that. So it has to be a language rich environment um, and talk, 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 talk. Yeah, I know. I, I I definitely like talking. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we've asked. That's why we've asked you on, Fran. Now, the and you mentioned that there's um a certain amount that you need to need tick off by the age of seven. So there are some pillars that make up the early years curriculum as well. Did you want to run through those quickly and then maybe just have a quick yeah. discussion of how that may compare to some other types of nurseries as well? Um, yeah. Um, I think. Um, Obviously, 
the children play and explore and it's helping them understand their world so that's why they might have role play where they make a cup of tea or drive a car so it is a rehearsal for the later things in life in a safe um, place um, the provision as well I spend a lot of time thinking about the resources and you know I don't just throw the dinosaurs in in, in a tray I might actually get the children to collect some leaves with me twigs with me and you know build build a mountain and then put the dinosaurs on with them so getting them involved in the provision as well um, again we've said about books are so important um, reading books um, a lot of vocabulary comes from reading um, if you're not um, exposed to um, that kind of um, you know the, the more the repetitive structures that's why uh, the gingerbread man and, and little red riding hood the three little pigs that's why those traditional tales are still so popular and children want to learn the you know they're intrinsically motivated to learn so that love of learning but also knowing what kind of learner they are and them being uh, confident and independent to make their own choices um, yeah. and that's Montessori and um, they have their uh, this is a lifelong approach. So yeah, sorry, just to so just to cut you off there, oh. Fran. So the, the the pillars that we just went through oh, yeah. there. So the broadening broadening the understanding of the world, exposure to high quality provision, interloping vocabulary, intrinsic love of learning, and developing identity and self worth. That's what you would see in a in a general state school with a or accompanying with accompanying mm -hmm. nursery or private nurseries as well. You'd see those. Um, nurseries or early years educators, I guess, planning their days and activities yeah. at, set out to cover those sorts of yeah. pillars. Am so, I right? Yeah, yep. you'd have your curriculum. Um, a lot of people have um, what they intend to teach and how they're going to teach it, implement it, and then how they're going to measure the impact. Yep. Um, so that assessment um, showing progress. Yeah. Um, and basically... Um, that would be in um, every school might have a different philosophy. Um, like I worked in a church school, so our ethos was based around Christianity, but other schools might have um, their own ethos. So really looking at their vision statements and their ethos and how um, in the early years, how they, um, how they see the curriculum, um, the developmental matters, um, is, is a guide for the stages, um, each child from naught to, to, to five. But how you implement it and how you teach it and how you measure it, um, there is quite a lot of flexibility and it can vary um, from setting to setting. So yeah. be sensitive. You might have been somewhere where the children could free flow all the time between nursery and reception and they had shared outside areas. Then you yeah. might have a more structured approach. So nursery and reception are kept very separate. Um, so, you know, there's no wrong, as long as the children are learning and making progress, there's um, different ways um, to do it. And yeah. Um, yeah. And Montessori, you, you mentioned earlier. Now that's a different type of nursery mm -hmm. that would focus more on the, maybe more so on the free flow, would you say? Or more so on maybe... Well, slightly, I'll let you explain it. You're the, yeah. <laughs> you're the well, professional. They, they um, very much have um, 
uh, independence, and but they ha might have mixed age groups, which can be quite unusual. But I'm going my school in Lewisham, I will have some year one and reception mixed. So, you know, it's not does happen in other schools. Um, okay. But um, they'll have maybe children um, mixed, but they they really focus on the whole environment. Um, the equipment is is based on learning, so you will see um, specific things in the Montessori school. They use a lot of natural materials as well. Um, and the thing is that they don't have, they allow children to maybe, even young children, to go for long periods of time. So they won't have interruptions to their learning. So they might have a whole three-hour session that the child will plan, do and review. So they'll plan what they're doing and what they want to learn and they'll go off and then they'll come back and review it with the teacher and then say what they're doing next. But they might keep going for a much longer period of time than you would see. You know, a lot of other nurseries might stop for a snack time or for sleep time or for work, going to whole school assemblies. Um, and they do have very specialist um, materials, educational materials. Um, it's, it's very structured, the learning environment, but what the children do in it is, is quite independent and free-flowing. Okay. The, the, the environment's very structured towards learning. Mm -hmm. And the benefit of that approach would be that you might get some, I guess, a greater depth of understanding from the children yeah. from being able to explore a particular topic, maybe for yeah. an extended period of time. Yeah, and especially um, in Reggio Emilio as well, they might have topics that go, go on till they come to their natural end. Whereas yep. we sort of teach things maybe in chunks. So this term, our topic is next term, but they might have a, um, projects that a child will return to time and time again and then um, improve it and change it. And um, yeah, and they might also with um, other places, the community can be involved as well. Um, in Reggio Emilio, they actually set it up like a home um, and they have bases, so they'll have mixed age groups and the children. And is Reggio Emilio, is that, that's different to Montessori, is it, or is yeah, it very similar? They're, they're, they've got a similar um, philosophy um, that the it's actually um, um, children are a lot, have lots of possibilities in them. And it's allowing them time to to show you those possibilities, and you work with them rather than um, rather than teaching them maybe how we do in um, a small group session, and we might have an, a, a learning objective, and we want to teach that that the they allow them to um, show you the way. Okay. So it's more um, they you follow and scaffolding. It does happen in some early years um, settings as well. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, and it's very influenced early years. Um, a lot of people will go and visit, will actually go. I, I went over to, um, uh, when I was in New Zealand, um, there was um, um, a Steiner school and I went to visit that. That was again, a different approach. So it, a lot of early years teachers will, will know um, about um, um, practice in New Zealand is very good, Finland, um, forest schools came from that. A lot of schools now have um, forest schools and um, for the 
right through because the importance of outside learning because that disappears a bit after yeah. the years as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll um. Yeah. So it's a ra range of different topics. We'd love to chat chat about them all, but we're conscious yeah. a bit a little bit of the time. But yeah. you mentioned earlier about how I guess yeah, maybe easier it was to to step into a year four classroom, which is much more sort of structured. Would you say that's like the and I guess the students are maybe a little bit more waiting to be be told what they're learning for the for the day. Like, would you say that's maybe the biggest difference between say a reception classroom and a year one classroom i think um yeah i taught year one last year and there's certain objectives that have to be met within that time period and you're much more timetabled so it's taught in individual subjects whereas in the early years you might have a book that um you will take the science from the geography from the history from but um in in year one and as they progress it's much more um a timetabled and subject based, so you will teach geography one term and then history, geography, history, maths, you know, literacy, phonics, and then you'll have French, even modern foreign languages to do, RE to do, so all those found art and design. So it's much more subject based. Um, in the early years, a child might be doing uh, mixing paint and they won't necessarily know that science and creative arts it's it's much more um integrated the learning so um it separates a bit more out into subjects um in in the later years so and children um there is collaboration that does go on but a, a lot of time it is um more teaching from the front and um they have a set task to that might be differentiated um for them to do so it's more whole class and more at tables um yeah and and covid made it difficult as well because even if you did want to do science it was the equipment um and keeping children safe so that had an impact as well on them yeah the more investigative or more problem solving um activities yeah and um in a primary setting a lot of them the i guess the assessing of where where a child is at in their development and how they sort of meet against the I guess the criteria you're measuring them against um, is more so I guess marking in books I yeah. suppose and, and pieces of hard evidence um, how does that compare to how you assess where they're at in in the early years like is it more observation or yeah it's, it's very observation uh, and in based and in the um, document it actually has um, it mentions um, things to look for um, so it'll give you an example of, of what the child might be doing and then um, it'll give you things for you to um, highlight in your observation as well. Mm -hmm. It's always worth um, looking at um, the more experienced members of staff um, um, observations as well. Um, and I think um, the checkpoints, they call them observation checkpoints, so it's more of ongoing assessment. Um, so even in um, in key stage one and key stage two, you've got the phonics test. You'll have end of year tests as well. Um, yeah. And the live marking is very different. So, you know, you will go around the class and you will. Uh, we used to use green and pink highlighters and, and do the live marking as you're walking around. So you're, you're, you're assessing there and then. Whereas in the early years, you might just um, 
use verbal prompts to extend the learning. So what do you think? Like a lot of question, open-ended questioning is really important. Um, how do you, what could we get? So um, it, it, it's, and then the, ensuring that the environment has um, the equipment for children to find those things and explore and, um, and, and take control of their own learning. Yeah, and I imagine they're all always, um, I guess, lined up with those prime areas of personal, social and physical development with those uh, yeah. observation checkpoints. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'll find that um, the younger the child is, the, there's a heavy focus on the prime areas um, because unless they develop those prime areas, they're not going to be able to, um, um, the process of going through um being able to talk, being able to speak in sentences, then we'll support them to, to actually write a sentence. Um, and a lot of children will start doing writing and they'll um, tell you what it means. They might use letter shapes. Um, people call it scribble, don't they? They go, oh, they're just scribbling. But actually, if you yeah. say, what have you written there? What does that mean? Oh, what are you writing about? Then they will tell you often what it means because those marks have meaning to them. Um, and yeah, and it's interesting. Um, I think one of my biggest influences was Kathy Athey. Um, she looked at schemas. So you might see a child emptying something and emptying and emptying, and they just do it time and time again, time again. And children in prams throwing things out, parents picking up. What are they doing? Throwing them out. But actually, that's a trajectory. They're interested in trajectories. So you can bring that into then construction, getting cogs and wheels and things that move. So seeing patterns of how children um, even move or draw, it can be something they're very interested in, water going down a sink. They might be fascinated by that. So you might recreate that with the marble run. And so it, it's interesting just watching the child. Um, and you can learn so much and understanding that children and normally there's a, a process going on but then if you can click like hitting a ball if they're into trajectories so you could get them if they weren't a physical child you could get them more interested in bats and balls and things so yeah, yeah. it's fascinating it really yeah is. certainly is um and i suppose we we obviously help support schools with um teachers uh, primary teaching assistants, secondary teaching assistants, and also, you know, those early years educators as well now. So <laughs> I suppose for those for those who are interested, please don't hesitate to get in touch if you're open to working in nurseries. Um, a lot of private nurseries do require a level two or level three qualification, and there's a range of different ways you can get those qualifications, either through studying um, or, or through volunteer programs and shadowing programs as well. So any information on that, please do let us know. But a lot a lot do take unqualified educators as well. So if, if you are interested, please do get in touch and we can um, certainly talk about next steps about how we can try and get some more experience for you working in nurseries. Um, and any sort of last minute, I suppose, advice for any any educators who are looking to, to work in the in the early years, Fran? Yeah, I think um, um, it, to go in as a volunteer, um, um, I've uh, I've actually got a parent who came as a volunteer and then she did a level two, then a level three. And then she's actually specialised um, in special needs and she's just got um, her dream job 
um, working in a special needs school with autistic children. And um, so it was a long journey for her, but um, she, you know, started um, going, she came in as a parent, you know, we've had a lot of parent volunteers. Um, also, if you make a connection with your child's school, um, they can often um, signpost you to training and um, CPD. There's a lot online now, I think, um, Educare we use. So yeah. um, um, the school, um, you know, getting, and they'll pay for your DBS as well, um, if you volunteer. So, um, you know, schools um, encourage, um, you know, they, they do encourage um, people to, to volunteer first. Um, you might know what you want to do, and then it's training, contacting your local college. Again, a lot of people will train people up on the, on the job. We had somebody that got day release. They were a teaching assistant in year six for years and years and years. Yep. And then they came down to early years and, um, and because they wanted to. Um, but they'd also realised they'd need specialist training and the school supported them and they had day release for two years. Um, and then they became an EYE and now they've actually gone to just a pure nursery school. So, you know, there's lots of um, flexibility as well um, in the early years. It does suit people who maybe um, want different shift patterns as well. Um, a lot of schools are just nine, nine to 3.30, but other nurseries will do early shifts, later shifts. So it can fit in with um you know, be flexible for your wraparound care as well. Some people might just do the four to seven and things like that. So if you do, it is worth, if you're interested, it can be um, quite flexible working as well as yep. rewarding. Amazing. All right. Well, I think that's probably a wrap for us, Fran. Thank you so <laughs> much for, for sharing Sharing a little insight into um, into your career in the early years and how you know that might you know oh, any takeaways for for educators who are looking yeah. to sort of gain experience um, in the early years as well. It's absolutely fantastic to have you on board the podcast, and I hope you enjoy the last week of your holidays before you I go have in and it start. To a T. <laughs> yeah, do you? Yeah. What have What have we got on? Oh, oh um, I'm I'm actually doing the um, um, Capital Ring Walk. It's a okay. series of uh, 15 walks around London. So yeah. I'm, I'm on stage nine. I'm on yep. the ninth one. Getting so the I'm step count up. I'm going to do a couple more of them. Football. <laughs> yeah. And um, a bit of retail therapy as well. And, Perfect. Uh, yeah. And try and sort out some of the boxes I've got from leaving my school. Yeah. <laughs> so I so, can um, some resources to um, the school in Lewisham. So you're Actually, all set yeah. for, for the 1st yeah. of September. I am. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks. Thanks again, Fran. Um, and hope you enjoy the rest of your break. And I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. Thanks for listening, guys. Tune in for the next one. Um, we hope to have one out here in the next couple of weeks. Cheers. Bye. Bye.